Paper Flower Consortium, Episode 20, The Value of Patience. Recording by Loretta Fabron Enfoy, former Lady of the Kingdom of France and current historian and librarian of the Paper Flower Consortium. Welcome back, beloved initiates and other listeners. I shall begin tonight with some unfortunate news. Initiate Ellen has unfortunately failed the initiation program. You all know the initiation program takes a minimum of three years, but as we have said, depending on your age and experience, the process might take longer. Unfortunately, Ellen lost her patience and decided to try to become an immortal another way. I warn you, you cannot hurry the process. You must endure the wait. However, my beloveds, the wait serves a purpose. Vampires learn to exist with forbearance, as eternity is a very long time. There is no way we can know exactly when something is going to happen. We cannot know what the future holds or when danger will find us. But existing with patience permits us to analyze different situations and keeps us calm and in control. Now, I have heard the grumbles we ought to have done more to save Ellen. However, that type of talk only spreads ill will. Hopefully, the entire story, set in official manner, should stop such libel. And if you find you cannot abide by what you hear tonight, you are free to leave the initiation program. We will not stop you. I will start by saying... While I wish I could have stopped Ellen from destroying herself, there is little to nothing a person can do when another adult decides to follow the path of folly. I hide nothing from the initiates. Because the coven must be able to trust you for eternity as a vampire. Well, unfortunately for her, my stories pique Ellen's interest. Our library holds many books. Most of them are safe. There are fables and myths from all over the world. There are books that can hold blood-chilling terror in the fictional section, if that is what you desire. However, there are many more which are non-fiction. Some are journals of our past, we have complete sets of encyclopedias and scientific studies. Some books have dangerous knowledge. These come to us by way of estate sales when there is a death of a witch, wizard, warlock, enchanted human, a werewolf, or members of another short-lived species. I keep this knowledge as safe as I can, but it is knowledge and it is meant to be shared. People in this modern age are often shocked about our collection of dangerous knowledge, and even more shocked that they are out for anyone to peruse. 
My only comment to that is, what good is a book if I do not allow our residents to peruse them? If I and the coven cannot trust you to act with respect to the world's dangerous forms of knowledge now, then how is the coven supposed to trust you once you are a vampire? So if you choose to explore summoning a demon, you do so at your own risk. I am not your mother. I am the librarian. Over the summer, Ellen began spending more and more time in the library. I knew she had pressed deeper in the stacks. She has always loved history, and as the summer weather was so miserable this year, she was also coming for the air conditioning. I thank my God above that Norma has moved back home where she belongs. And I also thank my God that Norma happened to be in the library. She and her friend Carlos were assisting Ryan Jones with a research questionnaire about pollutants. You see, he is trying to ensure his surveys are written with respectful language to the sea people whom he researches. Carlos is Norma's shade friend, whom you might see on occasion at her fellowships. Please understand the word zombie is now out of favor with this community, as it gives most of the populace ideas of flesh-hungry, brainless monsters, and the shades are none of those things. Now, Norma and Carlos happened to be in the library because their own work had dried up during the pandemic. It was Norma and Ryan who felt Ellen's intentions change, from learning to be a vampire to finding out knowledge that would give her power and immortality. But perhaps that was always her intention. While Derek ensured his surviving offspring are educated enough that they don't often read minds without permission, when their focus is elsewhere, it is easy to fail in that effort and catch people's thoughts. At that moment, Ryan's focus was on Norma's experience with sea serpents and the children of Poseidon. And Norma was focused on Ryan's questions. And then I saw Norma turn as we saw Ellen cross the library with a large, ancient book in her hands. You don't want to do that, Norma called over her shoulder. And then Ryan, of course, saw that Ellen had caught Norma's attention, and his eyes opened wide, and he agreed, Ellen, really, don't do it! And Carlos grunted, as you may know, his larynx has been crushed. Ellen threw a dirty look at them, but said nothing. It's your funeral, Norma warned. And by the intensity on Norma's face, she knew there would be a problem. And she looked over at me and mouthed the box. And my heart sank. Because even then, I knew what would happen. Carlos patted Norma's hand. Norma always has had a big heart, and I am glad that she is a friend who knows her so well. She whispered something to him I could not hear, and he rose and left the library. You may remember, in Lesson 5, Norma and Marion had captured the demon, who went by the name of Harold, or Harry, Taylor. And they had put him away for a few decades, or perhaps a century. Some say that this was in punishment. 
Some say it was more like a vacation, or even a torpor. I don't say anything of the sort. Only Mr. Taylor knows the truth about why he's in the bottle. And just as all of you do, Initiate Ellen knew of the box where Mr. Taylor, the demon, was held in his bottle. The day before, when all the vampires were asleep, she took down the box out of the infirmary closet and brought it to the library. She shoved it in the back of a long row where she knew I wasn't likely to find it. And a little before midnight, she returned to the library. She plucked the book of ancient spells to summon and bind demons to her will from the shelf. She untaped the box and unpacked the glass bottle from layers of sand and salt and opened this ancient text. And then she began to read. Dear God, hear my prayer. I ask for your blessing to bind these creatures of darkness who have forsaken your warmth and light who mock you by mimicking the steps of your blessed mass. At this point, Norma jumped to her feet and raced to the back of the library. I compel thee, creatures of darkness. Ryan and I were behind her. Bind thee to my will. Creature of darkness. I have the glorious God's blessing to bind you all to my will. I compel you. The library was suddenly filled with ghastly sounds of ancient tongues spoken with an American accent. And then there was something worse. A horrid sound of silence. Followed by the cruel sound of wood breaking against soft flesh. You see, Ellen hadn't even finished her summoning when Mr. Taylor's spirit collided into her so fast he knocked her onto the pine floor and took the breath from her body. And gasping, she took in a mouthful of smoke or mist or whatever ether follows him. Damn it, Norma said. And quickly she grabbed a handful of salt and sand which spilled from the box and made a circle around Ellen, the box, the bottle, and hopefully Mr. Taylor's spirit. And now, before you begin to complain that our Norma didn't even try to help Ellen, well, that is false. As I just said, Norma had warned her. Ryan had warned her. Moreover, she saved your still-human existence. Norma, Carlos, Ryan, and I would not have died. We are vampires and Carlos is a shade. But if Mr. Taylor had escaped into the coven, it might have been a bloodbath among our humans who aren't so foolish to summon a demon. Thankfully, Carlos pushed past Ryan and me and threw a box of salt toward Norma. She caught it midair. He gestured Ryan and me back as poor bloodied Ellen grabbed a nearby chair for support. As if gravity suddenly didn't work, it toppled on top of her. And then an unseen force flung the wooden chair, scratching our lovely pine floor, and tossed Ellen into the wall, damaging the plaster. Of course, we could hear Ellen's heartbeat, her muscles in pain, her body screaming for the blood that was being soaked into the plaster. We knew she was still alive at this point. 
Damn it, damn it, damn it, Norma said. For some reason, Ryan muttered, don't swear. Damn it, now I have to fix the wall, Norma said this time louder. Carlos grunted and his dead-eye stare held a warning. Always keeping herself between us and the demon, the coven and the demon, Norma created another salt barrier. I'm not sure if Norma heard the apology over the noise of Ellen's pain, but Ryan did mutter sorry. From the outside, we watched as the chair leg was broken off and Ellen was stabbed through the chest. It screeched through her torso and into the floor below, and she screamed again in agony. Mind the floor, Taylor, Norma shouted. There was a loud bang as an unseen force hit the circle of salt, but it held. And inside, blood spilled from Ellen's eyes, her nose, her ears. Her fingernails began to bleed, and beside me I felt Ryan's bloodlust peak. But Norma, between us, still remained calm. The force darkened into a form of a middle-aged man in velveteen leisure wear. Harold Taylor. He blinked as his eyes adjusted to the light. Hello, Miss Rollins. Hi, Mr. Taylor. Has it been a century? He asked as he stretched his arms toward the sky. Not yet. It's 2021. Why, you ready to come out now? She asked. Tell me what's going on in 2021, he said. Well, there's a pandemic and the economy's not so good right now. Want a paper? Oh, and most people don't read the paper on paper anymore, but Madame Monfoy still gets it for the library, Norma said. No need. Economies are never good after a pandemic. You need to live a few more lifetimes. He licked his lips in a salacious manner. How's Miss Marion? Great. She's the head of security now. Got tired of the force, Norma said. Mr. Taylor nodded. Good for her. Glad to hear it. And then he looked beyond Norma at me, as if he just noticed the vampires in shade behind her. Without skipping a beat, Norma said, And you remember her vampire mother, Madame Monfoy? Yes. You're as beautiful as ever, Madame. Now, demons are often polite, and when they're not hungry, they do make lovely guests. It is one of their more dangerous attributes. Still, I thanked him for the compliment. And this is my co-worker, Mr. Perez, and my bloodline uncle, Dr. Jones. And careful not to touch the barrier, Mr. Taylor bowed at them. My compliments, sirs. And then he smiled too widely, exposing his stained and too sharp teeth. So the summoner is, soon to be was, a human, and I am a bit peckish. Dr. Jones, Madame Monfoy, you might want to turn around. Indeed, Norma said, agreeing with him. Ryan and I should have turned around. Mr. Taylor's mouth opened wider and exposed his rows of teeth. I do not deny we knew that she was still alive when he took the first bite. We knew that she was alive when he took his fifth bite. And we did not turn at first, but we felt sick as Ellen made the squeals of agony. Mr. Taylor bit into her cheek. 
she beat her arms against his body. And by the licking and slurping and sucking and smacking of lips, Ellen apparently was scrumptious. Of course, we all wish demons ate with more cleanliness. They tend to spill their saliva a bit, and they just leave bloody bones and torn clothing on the carpet. Once satiated, Mr. Taylor asked if he might check out a few more new mysteries, for his time in the bottle was slow. He slipped into the bottle and brought out his old library books. As pleasant as Mr. Taylor was, he was quite disappointed to hear of Agatha Christie's passing in 1976. And I admit, I was worried he might throw a tantrum and break something else. You see... He was one of the Londoners who rioted when Sir Arthur Conan Doyle killed off Sherlock Holmes. Fortunately, he kept to his polite, genteel behavior that night. Of course, Norma had him trapped in concentric salt rings. As requested, I found him some new traditional mysteries to read when he returned to his bottle. So for those of you who knew and cared for Initiate Ellen, I am sorry for your loss. And now a word from our sponsor. Tonight's lesson is sponsored by the Law Office of Derek Miller. Derek Miller has assisted the paranormal community of the greater Seattle area with their legal needs for over 170 years. He can assist you in the formation and purchase of a new business, the closing of an old business, and preventing disputes by fair and ethical contracts. He is also experienced in supernatural immigration, including assisting in asylum hearings and paperwork. Call for an appointment tonight. And now it's time for questions. Initiate Jason asks, Lady Loretta, it seems to me this Harold Taylor is too dangerous to exist, especially within the walls of the coven. Why doesn't Norma kill him? And why did you let him check out library books? My kind-hearted Initiate Jason. Harold Taylor is a true immortal. We, and by we I mean Norma and Marion, can trap him in a bottle. And of course he can travel to hell and other dimensions. But we have no idea how to kill him, or even if he can be killed. One issue we've seen with many horror films and books concerning demons is that the humans win. Humans never win when dealing with demons. At best, there is a short time of delicious power or wealth. But then the human is most often consumed, either quickly or mind-numbingly slow. Moreover, Mr. Taylor is a resident of the Paperflower Consortium and therefore has lending privileges at the library. Perhaps next year I will tell a story when a demon ate a vampire. For now, just know. It is best to remain polite and act in kindness, which is good advice when dealing with all types of people. So that's all there is for tonight. This is the last episode of our first year in the initiation program, or what many of you are calling, quote, season one, unquote. To give you time, my beloveds, to decide if you are still interested in vampirism, I shall be restarting the initiation program this spring. However, over the break, I shall read Immortal House, so you understand the fears and existence of a rogue vampire. Good day, beloved initiates. 
and sleep the sleep of the dead. If you have questions or comments for Lady Loretta, please contact her at info at paperflowerconsortium.com or through the Paperflower Consortium Patreon. The Paperflower Consortium podcast was written and performed by Elizabeth Gazzetti. And tonight, the amazing Jennifer Brozek joined her as Initiate Ellen. If you love this podcast, like and share this episode. And if you can, please consider donating, either one time or through the Patreon. And while there, check out Season 2's Initiation Topics. Information about the background sounds and royalty-free music are found in the show notes. The amazing intro and outro music was written by Evan Witt, and you can learn more about his music at www.wittynotes.com. Thank you for listening. Hi, everybody. Elizabeth here. I started this podcast to share the vampire stories in the Paper Flower Consortium universe, and it's one of the best decisions I ever made. I started small, and realistically, I'm still really small, but I'm also proof that anyone who wants to start a podcast can do it. I record in my bedroom closet with my Yeti mic. I use Logic Pro for editing, and for hosting, I've always gone with Buzzsprout. Buzzsprout gets your show listed in every major podcast platform. You'll get a great-looking podcast website, audio players to drop into other websites, detailed analytics to see how and from where people are listening, and easy-to-use tools to help you promote your episodes. One of my favorites is the Soundbite Creator. So if you have stories you want to tell, join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout. And please use the link in the show notes to let Buzzsprout know we sent you. Thank you so much for listening.